The WBEN All Local. All Local. Produced by Randy Bushover. A daily look at what's happening in Buffalo, Western New York, and the world. I'm Susan Rose. I'm Brian Mazurowski outside, currently looking at clear skies, 51 degrees, expecting a sunny day and a warm uh, first couple of days of the work week. Erie County Executive Mark Polencar said this weekend that he will not declare a state of emergency for Erie County over an influx of migrants in New York State. He said it was not only illegal, but morally repugnant. Erie County Legislator Jim Alchowski said he's introducing legislation today to block migrants from being sent here. To me, what's morally repugnant is turning your backs on the residents of Erie County and giving them a dilemma that they didn't ask for. I have been a legislator for five months now. Prior to that, I've been a councilman in the town of Elma, and not one time in the last 12 years have I heard anybody say, hey, we need more immigrants around here. People need services, and right now the county is struggling to provide those services to the residents of Erie County. That's legislator Jim Malcheski speaking yesterday. Right now, states of emergency are in effect throughout western New York, but not in Erie County. Negotiations stalled between Republicans and Democrats over a deal to raise the debt ceiling. Hopes the U.S. could buy or borrow more time when it comes to the debt ceiling crisis dashed Sunday by Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen. Telling NBC's Meet the Press June 1st is the date America will default on its loan obligations. I certainly haven't changed my assessment, so I think that that's a a hard deadline. It would be the first time in history if the U.S. defaults on existing debt payments. It could also impact millions of Americans, from veterans and active military members to senior citizens, if programs and paychecks can't be paid. We have to pay interest in principal on outstanding debt. Mm -hmm. We also have obligations to seniors who count on Social Security, our military that expects pay, um, contractors Mm -hmm. who've provided services to the federal government, and some bills have to go unpaid. Michelle Franz and ABC News. All right, we'll be watching this. Plenty of interviews throughout the morning on the debt ceiling at this weekend's PGA Championship right down the road. One of golf's four major tournaments, Brooks Kepka finishing on top. But it was a golf instructor and part-time pro who stole the show at Oak Hill in Rochester. 46-year-old Michael Block, whose full-time job is teaching golf in California, taught us all a valuable lesson. It's never too late to chase your dreams. Entering the tournament under the PGA professional designation, a special exemption earned because of his status as a full-time golf teacher, Block capped off a spectacular and improbable run at the PGA, finishing tied for 15th. One of the best finishes ever for a PGA professional entry in the tournament's 100-plus year history. How about that? Um, It was an incredible story. While everyone was following the leaders, right, it gave (laughs) like something else for uh, everyone to follow. A hole in one uh, to end the week, uh, you know, on top of that top uh, 15 finish. Unbelievable. Huge storyline. And then right afterwards, he was invited to next weekend's, I think it's the Colonial. (laughs) He's going to have to uh, maybe quit his day job. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And go on tour. But uh, what a weekend there and for everyone in Rochester. For sure. And the event just down the 90, plus the return of nice weather, 
His golfers in Western New York ready to go. Here's WBEN's Tom Puckett. I think we're pretty big. I think we got a lot of rabid golfers. Fred Zellner of Diamond Hawk Golf Course says there's a big reason why golf is so popular in Western New York. Golf becomes a community. You get to be friends with people you play with. A lot of times you're playing with the same group of guys, and it becomes, you know, Buffalo's a big family anyways, and it really just enhances our family attitude. Zabo with Lancaster Country Club says the PGA Championship held in suburban Rochester this weekend has helped boost golf's popularity here. I was fortunate our PGA section assists running the tournament. I was up there Monday, Wednesday, and Thursday working the driving range as a volunteer for our section, and I was able to see many of our members up there, uh, a lot of junior golfers around, waiting for autographs, checking out the play. Um, so I think it, it definitely definitely is something that will move the needle for golf and golf interest being in the area. Could Buffalo one day host a PGA Tour event? Hear their thoughts online. Tom Puckett, WBEN.com News. Pretty cool. You know, I saw a lot of people uh, were you know taking pictures throughout Oak Hill, right. uh, having a really good time, even in the rain, which yes. was uh, a pretty a big long time, deal. Especially Saturday. Saturday, like, wow, it looked like a torrential downpour. But everyone had their rain gear on. If they didn't have their rain gear on, I saw people had Bill's gear on. Right. Which, you know, All those fit umbrellas. Right in. I was the entire Bills roster there? It seemed like it. Um, it. I saw, like, every time I opened up, it was a new play. You know, here's Gabe Davis, here's Tyler Bass, here's Josh Allen, everybody else. So sounded like a really good time, and especially if you're a golf fan, where else would you rather be, right, than oh, Western sure. New York? Well, long dormant, decaying, and the once rumored site of a new Bills stadium had it moved downtown. What's next for the Perry Projects? Here's WBEN's Brayton Wilson. The Buffalo Municipal Housing Authority is set to host their developing partner, Penrose Development, to provide an update with the latest status of the Perry Redevelopment Project on Monday. I like to keep my board informed of what's going on as things progress, especially on a big project like this. So the folks from Penrose are coming in to just make a presentation so that everybody on the board is on the same page and knows what we're doing and what our rough timeline is for things and where we are now. That's Executive Director of the BMA. H.A. Gilligan Brown. This upcoming redevelopment project to transform the Commodore Perry site will see a new mixed-use, mixed-income neighborhood, which will include as many as 1,019 housing units. The master plan calls for the replacement of all existing public housing units with project-based vouchers. The Perry development is currently compromised of 694 apartments, including 284 vacant units that are slated for demolition later this year. We have to get those down as a preliminary matter so that when we add the land freedom by the demolition with the green space that was freed up by the demolition back in the late 90s, we will have room then to begin construction of phase one, which is going to be 405 units of new affordable and public housing. More ahead of Monday's BMHA meeting regarding the Perry projects is available for you online. Brayton Wilson, WBEN.com News. Brayton, thank you. The Republican field in the race for the White House, set to expand this week. South Carolina Senator Tim Scott is expected to officially kick off his campaign for president today. He's already picked up an endorsement from John Thune, the number two Republican in the Senate. It comes as polls show former President Trump remains the leading contender for the Republican nomination. But Senator Bill Cassidy predicts Trump cannot win a general election, citing performances by Trump-endorsed candidates in the midterm elections last year. Cassidy, who voted to convict Trump after impeachment, pointed to, quote, 
formidable opponents, naming Tim Scott as one of them. That's Rhiannon Alley reporting. All right, we'll be uh, looking at the 2024 field throughout the morning. And how about this? Yesterday in hockey, Vegas taking a 2-0 series lead on the Stars. Played ahead by McNabb. Stalled across the line. Has Theodore. Theodore shot. Every game, four games so far in the conference finals, every single game has gone into overtime. How about that? Yeah, that's the, crazy. The marathon game out in the East right. at first, but then uh, quick finishes, but all overtime games, both the Florida-Carolina games and both the Vegas-Dallas games and both Vegas and Florida have 2 nothing series leads. Your exclusive WBEN 7 weather forecast. Mostly sunny skies today. Temperatures in the mid to upper 60s this afternoon. For tonight, clear to partly cloudy. Lows near 50. A warmer day on Tuesday with highs in the upper 70s. Wednesday, chance for a few showers with highs back in the 60s. With your exclusive WBEN 7 weather forecast, I'm Chief Meteorologist Aaron Minkowski. Jill Schlesinger from JillOnMoney.com. Her show is heard weekends here on WBEN. She's with us now. Uh, lots of graduations this past weekend, Jill. So what exactly does the job market look like for the class of 2023? Well, you know, last year I came on the air and I was like so excited because I was like, oh my God, you know, these kids are so great because they're graduating. There's tons of jobs. And remember, there was so much competition. There were, it was almost like there was a bidding war for, for the young people coming out of school. Well, it's not exactly that, but you know, even though the job market is slowing down, it is not dead and we're not losing jobs overall. I mean, yes, some sectors look tough. If you're looking for a job in tech or financial services or media, not so great. But there are other areas where there is plenty of hiring. And, you know, most interestingly, when I think about, well, gosh, it's really bad if we go into a recession. That was sort of my mindset going into writing this this piece uh, on my website. I found some research that was so fascinating because it is true that if you graduate into a recession, you don't make as much as you would have if you uh, graduated into a big boom time. And it's not just for a year. It's like for 10 years, you make less. But new research says that if you graduate into a slowdown or a recession, there is some good news. Would you like to guess what that good news is? I Please tell me because I'm wondering. You're like, oh, there cannot be good news. Yeah. Well, you know how happy you are in your job, man. I know you are. You like you exude it. It's great. Yeah. Um. Well, he's like, yeah, whatever, Jill. Um. Uh, but uh, you know what's amazing? There's this research from a woman named Emily Bianchi of Emory University, and she said that when you look at the people who graduate into a recession, uh, or when the economy falters, it's that they are more satisfied with their jobs. And guess what? Not just in the moment. It persists, the satisfaction and sort of happiness in the job, it persists throughout a career. I find this fascinating. I don't know why. It's like it just because like I guess the reason is that we often will compare ourselves to, you know, what everyone else is doing and we'll say instead of like if you're in a boom time, you're like, oh, my friend graduated and went into a startup and is a billionaire. Whereas if it's a recession, you're like, oh, my God, thank goodness I have a job. I, it's it's a challenge more so than right. If you graduate into this market flooded with jobs and if you complete the challenge, it's like a your brain rewards you for it. Yeah. And, and I just think uh, there's this quote that freaked me out. I was made me, I was like, I am this person so much. Like if you graduate into a tough economic times, you're less likely to ruminate about how you might've done better 
and you're more grateful for the job you have. Whereas like the opposite is like you look around, and you're like, oh, that guy was like could barely spell his name in high school. And now he's a gazillionaire because he just happened to walk into a place at the right time. And so it's amazing to me that the way we view our jobs and our lives really does impact this. And I find this, listen, on my show, when I do the radio show and I hear from people, they are happy when they have a job that they can do for a long time. And it's not just about the money. I know I talk about money all the time, but it really is about people who can sustain careers. That's what I think is really different. Okay. But now on a recession talk, right? This started last year and I thought they were talking about a recession this year, but now I'm hearing they're talking about a recession next year. I mean, do we know really when it would occur? Well, first of all, nobody knows anything for sure. Here's what we do know. If you look at history, and I know past performance is no indication of future results, so they always say that in investing, but if you look at history, when the Federal Reserve's raises interest rates by a big chunk, like, and we've just had a big chunk, five percentage points in this 14, 15 month period. When that happens, the economy slows down and often that is associated with a recession. So the reason why you were hearing that is economists were looking at what the Fed was doing and saying, okay, from March of 22, when they started raising by 0.75, 0.75, and they kept going all year long, it made economists and analysts say, okay, when that has happened in the past, what, what occurs is usually a recession. And that's why you're getting so many recession calls right now. Doesn't mean it will happen. So far, it's not happening. It is not. There is not a recession this second. There is a slowdown in hiring. There is some uh, slowdown in housing that we've seen and has moderated, it looks like. But, you know, if you were looking at all the different metrics for a recession, it does not look like we are flashing the recessionary signal right now. All this economic talk is always like doom and gloom. But Jill, I was thinking this weekend, I, I feel like it is kind of remarkable how resilient the economy has been over the last few years, I was talking with my wife about another restaurant that uh, is nearby us closed down um, mm-hmm. because it, they said they just never really recovered. We're able to bounce back from being shut down during COVID. And you think about that time, it's so easy to forget a couple years later. Like it, It is kind of remarkable that we are able to be in the position we are right now. I think that that is such a good point. I think that we minimize just what you know, what an unbelievable upheaval we've all lived through. And I don't think that's just about the economy. I think that is emotionally, not that I'm a shrink, but I'm just going to say that part of the reason it feels like sometimes people are like, why are people so angry? Why are people so this? Why are people so... And I think part of it is this amplification of all of our emotions. It's like everyone's collective nervous system was just on high, uh, high pitch for three years. And we have not gotten back to quote unquote normal, or let's call it baseline. And I think it's the same thing with with the economy, that there are parts of the economy that are still weirdly distorted. And even if you just think about inflation in general, I mean, yeah, we did push a lot of money into the economy, but we also had supply chain issues that were really strange. We've never had a situation where the world economy was open and closing at totally different times and different parts were impacted. We also had the unlucky aspect of the war in Ukraine, which, you know, not just unlucky for the world, but also unlucky for the economy. So all these distortions are still being sorted out. And so I agree with you. This is like Jill and Brian's happy thing. Susan, join in. Are we happy yet or not? Yeah. 
I mean, it's pretty good, right? Relatively, if you don't want your business to fail, so I get it. The guy whose restaurant is, you know, kaput, not really great for Jill to be happy. But overall, given what we've gone through, I think we're in pretty amazing shape, relatively speaking. That's the WBEN All Local. All new episodes are made available each weekday morning, produced by the award-winning WBEN Newsroom.